This is episode 38 of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Alpha Woodward. When I came back, I found it um, difficult to find my place. Um, I didn't feel like I was coming back the same person that I'd left. And, um, and so I did do some clinical work when I came back, um, but it, it didn't feel the same. I felt that I really needed to do some more work on myself before I could pick up the clinical cases again. So uh, that's why I went into the PhD. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. In today's episode, we have part one of my conversation with Alpha Woodward. In this episode, we talk about the various places her music therapy practice and journey has taken Alpha, things she's learned along the way, as well as specifics from the various programs she has taught in and how she hopes to incorporate the best elements of each one into the current program she's working at, uh, and maybe any future programs if she decides to make a journey to another location again. If you're looking for a way to support the podcast, please consider following us on social media, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and joining our group on Facebook. We are at Music Therapy Chronicles at all the platforms. Also, please consider becoming a patron over on patreon.com for the month of february all donations on patreon.com will be donated to the australian red cross i was thinking how can i help with the devastation that the wildfires in australia have caused and eventually it clicked that i have this platform Uh, And hopefully together we can all make a pretty sizable contribution. So please consider becoming a patron for the month of February uh, so that we can all give back together. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Alpha, welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Thank you. It's great to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad to hear that. So to start us off, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe outside of music therapy? Ah, Outside of music therapy, it's hard to think of it uh, because it's been such an encompassing Uh lifestyle to be totally enwrapped in music therapy. Um, yeah, I'm the kind of person who really enjoys the Northern Hemisphere. I love the cold. I love the 
the funny enough, I'm here in the Midwest right now, and I'm enjoying watching the snowbanks grow and the icicles get longer. And so that sort of suits my mountain background. I grew up in the mountains of uh, British Columbia. I'm a Canadian, actually. Um, and so I grew up in a mountain village, and we always had 10-foot-high snowbanks. Wow. So, yeah. so being here in the Midwest and watch and being in a cold area sort of makes me brings me back to my childhood growing up, you know, having snowball fights and making uh, snowmen and angels in the snow and things like that. So in some kind of odd way, it makes me feel younger again and uh, because it brings back those memories. So I'd say that would probably be one thing about me. And the other thing about me is that I I really do enjoy travel. I do enjoy meeting different people and being in different cultures. And um, and that really keeps me alive and focused. So I think those are the two more, most important things about me. Oh, I like my morning coffee too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And your your music therapy journey has taken you to a lot of different places and enabled a lot of that travel. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, if uh, I'd like to go back to how music therapy actually changed and transformed my whole life. Yeah, I think um, it's been doing that it's been shaping my life ever since I walked into this profession. And um, it wasn't until I was I don't want to give away my age too much, but I, I was in my 40s when I discovered that I was actually a music therapist inside and I needed to do something about it. So it took actually quite a long time for me to come to terms with that. And once I did, my whole life changed into something quite magical. Um, there, you know, they have the saying, you're in the flow. And um, I really felt that I be- I began to get into the flow of life once I became a music therapist because I was doing what I was meant to do. And so after that, everything seemed to fall into place really easily. So I found I found that nothing was uh, insurmountable because I was really doing what I loved. And so actually just getting jobs or slugging away and schlepping around instruments wasn't a big deal because it was it was it was fantastic work I loved it and so I started off in a I was for about 10 or 12 years I was working in a hospital system and I was the uh, the professional practice leader of music therapy there took a while to develop that but just to make the long story short it was um it was quite a growing period for me to develop music therapy in a hospital that had never had it before, to a point where it was recognized as one of the disciplines, one of the professional disciplines in that hospital. And so um, then there were other music therapists also involved in that practice there. And then after that, um, I was working with the geriatric population, and I really, really loved that. I really enjoyed um, the tremendous amount of diversity that you find in the geriatric population. It's just um, funny that it's not given maybe that much credit when students are going through the field and and learning about uh, their their craft. Geriatric population is really full of of a whole gamut of a uh, whole spectrum of possibilities for music therapy. 
And anyway, um, at some point along there, I started to develop an interest in, um, at that point in, in my career, I had done my master's degree, and I was really focused on ecological music therapy. I was really, really fascinated by our relationship to the environment and how, especially the sound environment, and how, how to shape a whole program around uh, sound and a person's living space, sound space, in their living space. So I created a whole project around that. And, and then I became involved in sort of the more contextual uh, perspective of music therapy in, in who we are as cultural beings, who we are as, um, in society as, as a being. What is our role there as music therapists in looking at our clients' Um, as as an individual, it's in so many different sociological layers. So um, about this time, I got interested in work that was going on in Bosnia-Herzegovina, which was a country that was just recovering from the war. Uh, the, the war, there were a couple of wars there that were just devastating. And a lot of um, young people that I'm teaching today don't remember it because they weren't even alive <laughs> during that <laughs> period of time. So, so they so they say, "What Bosnia? Where? What is that?" You know. So, but but there was a time when that war took up all of the of the media space, the horrific things that were happening inside a country that was civilized that was as civilized as we are and and how this could happen was just amazing that different cultural groups would would come to such go to such lengths to kill each other and to do horrible things to each other and um and so some of these these media reports were completely beyond our understanding of how this could happen in, in Europe, you know, in, in a civilized area. So after the war was over, which the United States had a big part in helping bring to an end, um, after the war was over, the whole world community came in to help rebuild. Um, the European, um, it, 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 there was a whole international number of different international countries that came together. Europe was considered one entity, um, Canada, the United States, and a whole bunch of other world entities came in to, to help rebuild, put roofs back on buildings, actually build buildings, put together schools. I mean, everything was blown up into little pieces. So um, we're not that surprised today because we see that happening in other countries now. But But then... It was probably the first time we'd seen it on our doorstep so close. And so shortly after that, it was in about 2003, I became interested in, in joining a team over there that was working, a music therapy team that was working to help rebuild at the same time. I was totally magnetized to this project because um, of the vision, the vision really pulled me in because there was a, um, there was a, a, the Pavarotti Music Center was built for the purpose of music therapy, to help children um, uh, recover from the trauma of the war. 
So I was really, really engaged with this. I thought, how how perfect is that for something that I believe in with my whole total being um, that I've devoted my life to now, that that actually there's a building there that says that gives credit to music therapy and music itself to help um, rebuild a country, to help children recover. Um, and so I applied and I was accepted. It's a long story, but I was, <laughs> I was accepted. And I became the co-leader, and then eventually I was the leader later that year of the team that was over there. And it was scary because one thing, it was I'd never been to southeastern Europe before. I'd never been, I really didn't know much about the culture. I was, I was really terrified of working with children because, who had been traumatized because I wasn't really, um, I wasn't feeling really confident about that um, part of music therapy because I'd been working with geriatrics. And um, and then I thought, how does my theology, if you like, my my perspective on ecology and and the person as a as a being within a culture, how does that all come together in in Bosnia? What am I stepping into? What am I getting into? So it was really, really um, a huge step. But what was really sustaining for me was music therapy. Was the fact that, that there was a team there of music therapists, and that was really the glue. Um, that really helped a lot, that this team of music therapists, we all understood one another. We all understood what we were there for. And um, and so I stepped into this, this role um, kind of anxiously, but at the same time very motivated by the vision and sustained by the, by the profession itself. And so from there on, life really became transformed as I moved through this culture and faced some of the culture shock that, that they were going through. But I also went through culture shock as well. Um, but at the same time, was leading this team and had that responsibility. But never in my life have I had such, um, such an engaging, rewarding um, period of time. It was both difficult and both incredibly rewarding. So um, so my my view of music therapy became more uh, more about the individual as a cultural being um, and music therapy as a as a humanitarian profession. I started to see it that way, not just in post-war areas, but a humanitarian mission. Um, wherever we are, it's it's very humanitarian. It's very altruistic, um, and uh, and all of those things that we kind of see with humanitarian aid. I also became very interested in how humanitarians function, because how do they actually do their work without being traumatized themselves? And so. There's a piece of me that would really love to keep working in that area and work with humanitarians themselves because they're really at risk as well. They put themselves at risk all the time, not just physically at risk, but also um, emotionally and psychically and to their very soul, they can be very damaged. So 
So yeah, um, that I think was very transformative for me. So what do you do after you've been? <laughs> what do you do after you've been in a situation like that that's totally shifted your perspective and your whole, um, your whole I don't know your whole self I guess. How do you carry on with music therapy after that? But I need to back up a little bit and say that while I was there, it was really interesting to work with interpreters. Um, it was really, for me, um, an interesting process of having what I've said, not sure what, what I've said is being translated the way I've said it or the way I intended it to be. And also what is being said back to me had sometimes came back through filters as well because damaged children or children who have been very victimized um, can say some pretty stark things. And um, I think that the the interpreters themselves did a lot of, um, what's the word for it, filtering of what came back to me. So I would have to, I had to hone up my body language skills and my other skills to say, yeah, <laughs> there's more going on behind what was just said to me. Um, the other thing about that, too, is it's really hard to work in depth with um, in, in these situations when you don't know the culture so well, when you, when you don't have that in, um, intuitive piece that you've grown up with that you understand the nuances of the language, you understand the nuances of the way people respond to you. You don't have that because you're not in that culture. So you can't really do that work for a long time and feel that you're deepening your own skills in that area. It's um, So I just needed to say that as well. Um, when I left... Bosnia it was the idea of maybe working, staying and working in the U in the in Europe because I really loved being there. But um, it was too diffi difficult logistically, so I did come back to North America and and then uh, decided to do a PhD. I felt that I really needed to process this and understand. Um, all of those things that were going on and, and doing a PhD and doing a self-study seemed to be a really good way to give myself some distance and also really deepen my experience through insight and through academic work. So that's what I did. I went into leadership and change um, at Antioch University and uh, I studied under Carolyn Kenny, who was uh, on faculty there. And Carolyn Kenny is well known for her work in um, transformation and, um, and uh, e ecology. She was, she was probably the, the first music therapist who ever proposed a music therapy theory back in the 90s, late 80s. <clears throat> so she's, she's a real pioneer in this area. So I studied under her, which was really, really great. Um, and in the meantime, I started teaching. So I was teaching while I was doing this PhD, and I taught in Montreal, Canada, and then I taught in Ireland, and then I came, and now I'm teaching in the United States, with, which is really kind of neat. Um, yeah, so that's how music therapy has been shaped my my life. 
made it um, okay to be an adventurous soul. I think just just staying at home and and doing music therapy is an adventure in itself. Every single day, it's a new adventure um, with your clients every single day. Um, so you don't have to travel like I did. It's just that that's who I am. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I've come to a full stop here for a, a moment. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I took a lot of notes on um, good tidbits in there. So I guess I'll, I'll start with where you ended. Why or what gra- what made you gravitate towards um teaching instead of going back to being a clinician once you finished your PhD? Um, I think that's a really good question. I've often asked myself that question. (laughs) Um, When I came back, I found it um, difficult to find my place. Um, I didn't feel like I was coming back the same person that I'd left. And, um, And so I did do some clinical work when I came back. Um, but it, it didn't feel the same. I felt that I really needed to do some more work on myself before I could pick up the clinical pieces again. So, uh, that's why I went into the PhD. And then while I was doing that, while I was doing that, I was still doing clinical work for a while. I didn't go right into teaching. And then I realized, um, that I really enjoyed teaching when I, I did go, I I took a one year, um, limited appointment, they call it, in, in Montreal. And I took that one year to find out about whether or not I liked teaching. And I thought I, I, I found that when I was doing supervision in the field, I really loved the mentorship. I loved doing mentorship with, with um, students who were coming through and doing their clinical practicum. So I loved that part of it. And I thought, well, that could be a doorway into teaching or academic work. And so I thought it was time to exercise my academic muscle and, um, and try it out. And then I, that's, I think that's the doorway. Um, I still prefer the idea of mentorship over lecturing, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, I th- I, but, yeah, so here I am. <laughs> I'm doing both, and I, I really enjoy it. So I really enjoy seeing um the light go on i really like students to see students have an aha moment um and uh yeah so i'm I'm kind of hooked yeah (laughs) (laughs) how wonderful that you've been able you were able to take that time for some self-discovery and figure that out and you've traveled doing teaching mentorship to would you say three countries in there I think maybe more than that um in terms of teaching it's been three countries yeah yeah. wow and each country has been very different what's that been like picking up and moving and you mentioned the the clinical applications of being in a different culture but what's it like teaching in a different culture too well, the the teaching has been different because of the, the nature of the programs more than the actual different the difference in culture, but that's also had a part of it as well. Um, f- for instance, when I was teaching in Montreal, I really that was my first step into um, the academic world, and so I was getting mentorship as well, which I really appreciated. 
um, it was it was great to be working with um, experienced teachers and professors. That really helped me. Um, but it was also in a town, in a city, I should say. They would be very insulted to hear me say town. <laughs> <laughs> um, city of two million people. Um, th- that uh, it was also bilingual. So I think the biggest challenge there for me was to um, freshen up my French because all Canadians have to, going through the school system, you have to learn French because it's, it's um, um, an official language of Canada. So uh, my French was very, as a mount, growing up in the mountains, was very basic. And, um, and so I had to bone up on that a lot. Although it was an English, it was an English um, uh, call, uh, university, if a student was wanting to, to submit their, uh, their assignments in French, I had to mark it in French. Wow. So, yeah, it was... That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. That made me, it made me really, um, what's the word for it, network with my French uh, colleagues and say, look, I'll, march your, I'll mark your English essay if you mark my French one or help me with it anyway. So, um, so yeah, it was, it, but it did help me. Um, I really did. I did um, freshen up in my French a lot. So there was that, and also it was a different program. It was a really interesting program that you could go through and get your certification in one year if you already had a degree in music or a related profession. So that was, to me, really interesting. And I've carried that, that, that what's the word for it, formula with me. And it's, it's, it seeds into some of the, some of the way I... I shaped the curriculum where I am right now. That one year, that 12 months, is, the students start off on a very shaky ground, but by the end, they're really good clinicians by the end of it. So I thought, yeah, it works. So that, so that, so I've carried some of these different ways of teaching music therapy around with me and, and said, yeah, there's not just one way to do it. Um, so in Ireland, uh, it was a, a master's degree entry level and a lot of the students were very mature students they weren't right out of out of high school they were um they were deciding at some point in their life like i had um i have to do music therapy and some of them were from northern ireland which was um you know plagued by the troubles so a lot of the students who were coming in were wanting to take music therapy back there so I could empathize with that sort of rebuilding some of the damage that had been done over the years there um but every single student was an amazing musician <laughs> a musician I have to say I was just blown away by the fact that they could come in and could play several instruments really really well um and that was the culture of Ireland is that that so many People just play music by ear from the time they're little kids. Um, and so some of the students coming in would not even know how to read music. So there were some challenges. Um, but, yeah, so the program itself was different, but it had been de- developed by people from Australia, people from England. And so it wasn't that different, but it, it had to be shaped to the nuances of the Irish um sensibility so so there was that and then I come to the United States and I'm teaching not at master's level 
not at the master's level, but I'm teaching at the undergraduate level. So that's another shift for me to start looking and, and understanding the learning needs of emerging adults. So, um, so there's been a lot of ch- <laughs> shifts and changes in the way that I need to think in order to, to help my students get through the program. Because um, I find that, that when you move from place to place, you bring some assumptions with you, and then you say, oops, <laughs> that isn't going to work. Mm. So, yeah, I keep learning. I, I hope I do keep learning. Um, each place that I've, I've been to um, has taught me a lot, um, hopefully not at the expense of the students, but I have learned a lot. And I've been very grateful because I learn a lot from my students. Um, I, I don't know if I learn more from them than they learn from me, <laughs> but um, I'm grateful for the fact that I do keep learning and, and do keep hopefully um, taking that learning and making it better for for the students. Yeah. Can you break down that formula that you talked about and any other uh, examples of what you've kind of taken from each program you've worked in and how you've applied them? Um, yeah, I, I can. So if, when I spoke of the formula, I, I probably was referring to the format of the of the what we call was a graduate certificate program in Montreal. There was also a master's degree there, but it was an advanced master's degree, which everybody understands. Um, so I taught in both. I taught them the advanced level master's, and I also taught the the certificate, which was the 12-month program. And <clears throat> what I took from that was the importance of, of, of um, focusing on I liked that program a lot. At first, I didn't, but I ended up liking it. Um, what I liked about that was that the focus was on music therapy. You'd, the students didn't have to um, muck about with all the things that undergraduates have to muck about with. You know, I'm sorry to say it that way, but um, they already had their music degree. Um, they already had their music skills. What they needed to focus on was how to apply that in music therapy. So that's all we focused on, how to do music therapy with adults, how to do music therapy with children, how to do music therapy in a psychiatric field. Two days a week were clinical um, clinical work, two full days. Wow. And, and then in the summertime, it was four full days. Wow. So by the time they finished the 12 months, it was very intense. I have to say it was very intense because their learning curve was very steep. Um, by the time they finished it, they had done their all their practicum, pre-practicum work that they needed to do, all the hours that they needed to do. And at the by the end of the summer, they had, in total, they had all the hours they needed to apply for their their certifi- certification. <clears throat> so that was that was all their pre-practicum work and their internship all rolled into one year. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, it was very impressive. Um, the students were exhausted by the end of it, <laughs> but they had their they had their certification, and they were then eligible to go into the master's degree if they wanted to do that afterwards. And some did, and some went and got wonderful jobs. So, um, yeah, no, that so that that is something. I still I, I see that in um, here we're in Iowa where I'm working right now. 
I just des- um, redesigned a master's degree here. <clears throat> and so the master's degree is an advanced master's degree. But along with that, we've, uh, we've included an equivalency plus, which means students who have a music degree, and this is where it's very similar to the one I've just talked about, the, the students uh, who are in a, a equivalency plus will come in and do their whole certification piece. They'll do, their, they'll do everything that an undergrad will do in one year, as long as they have all their prerequisites. They'll do it all in one year, and then they just go into the master's degree, into our master's degree. So um, it's very similar in that way. Um, and so I brought that with me, with that, that, form, that formula. And then in, in Ireland, what I liked about that program was the senior students. It was a two-year master's degree. It was entry level. And again, just focused on music therapy. There was there was no extracurricular except for electives that they could choose to do. They could do learn to do the Irish dancing. They could do whatever they liked in that elective. Um, but uh, what I liked about that program was in their senior year, they had to go out and find, much like an internship in a way, they had to go out and find their own placement for their practicum. And it was a two-day practicum. They had to go out and um, um, and in Ireland, it's pretty significant because it's still a fledgling profession there. It's still not well known. And so students going out to find their own placement had to be in a place that had never had music therapy before. And they had to pitch music therapy. They had to, you know, write their their cover letter just as you would for your internship here. And and then I would have to follow up and make sure that the the environment they had gone to had understood what music therapy is, and that that they were needing to be supervised, and that it wasn't music entertainment. So I had to do a lot of vetting. But um, I liked the idea of students um, having a two-day placement. I still would love to find a way, <laughs> way to fit that in. Yeah. Uh, because I think that's where the growth happens with students is the more exposure students have to their practicum, the better clinicians they become, and the, the more grounded they are in the work. And so I'm still looking for ways to increase the practicum exposure because one hour a week is not very much. It's it's something, but it's it's yeah, it's not very much. So um, so in the equivalency plus program that we have here, they have to be at a place for a whole day. Um, and that that's challenging in in small areas because you don't have a lot of. Um, music therapists working in the area. As you know, it was the same, the same back in, uh, for, for Marywood. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if that answered your question or if I wandered off in a different direction. Oh, it, it totally did. And I'm just thinking how amazing it would be to be an undergrad and actually have more than one day a week to practice what you're learning in class because we talk about clinical musicianship or you might have your functional percussion class or whatever related um, courses you're taking 
But if you only have the opportunity to practice that once a week for an hour with a singular population, you're really not solidifying those skills until you're out in the field and then you're the professional and are expected to already know these things. That's correct. Yeah, Yeah. you really need an opportunity to integrate all that. And, um, and I just I I get really quite uh, frustrated, but at the same time inspired that the students are able to do as much as they do do in that one hour. Yeah. Uh, um, But at the same time, just imagine what it could be like if you had a whole day, you know, or even a a whole afternoon. Um, It would be pretty special Mm -hmm. to pull everything together there yeah yeah the growth would be exponential for sure yeah just like oh yes Thank you so much for tuning into part one of my conversation with Alpha. I hope you feel inspired after listening to that. If nothing else, to know that you can move around and do music therapy and it can be this great adventure. And you can also have the adventure just being with your clients every day. There's never a dull moment. I'm sure that all of you listening already know that. So tune in next week to hear the rest of my conversation with Alpha. We talk more about her sound environment project and the implications of that. If you're looking for a way to support the podcast, as always, please consider leaving us a review and finding us on social media. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, please send an email to feedback at musictherapychronicles.com. This podcast is not possible without our listeners and without our guests. So if you're enjoying the content and you feel like you learn from it each week, please consider giving back by sharing your knowledge, your expertise, something you've learned recently. Anything like that is a wonderful contribution to keep the show going. And again, as I mentioned at the beginning, all Patreon contributions for the month of February will be donated to the Australian Red Cross for their relief efforts regarding the wildfires. So please consider becoming a patron. The link is always in the show notes. And I'm excited at the end of the month to be able to make a contribution, give back, and make a difference. And I hope you are as well. Thank you again for making the time to tune into the show this week. And I will see you in the next one.